Hello, and welcome to Ship Talking Pod. I'm one of your hosts, Alex, and this week, our community manager, James, is in the co-host seat. How are you, James? I'm not going to lie, I'm a little achy. I've been moving a lot of furniture around today, <laughs> but in the past few hours, I've managed to polish off an entire Pizza Hut pizza, uh, so I'm feeling a bit recharged after quite a physically intense morning. How are you doing? I'm really good. Uh, my morning is just starting over here since I live on the other side of the planet. And now I really want pizza, so thanks. You're very welcome. <laughs> and coming up, we have a conversation with somebody that I've known for quite some time by the name of Matt Kazan. He's a games developer and his history is working in two studios that you've probably heard of, which are Rockstar and Ubisoft, and one that you may not of, which is Digital Extremes. But if Digital Extremes is ringing a bell and you can't quite figure out why, it's probably because they did the whole development on 2013's Star Trek Into Darkness tie-in third-person shooter, which had a very mixed reception. <laughs> I don't know about you, Alex, but I have a lot of questions when it comes to that game. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> It's a game I always wanted to play, but I also really enjoy watching the uh, the kind of parody videos of it on YouTube. Mm. I feel like that gives me a pretty decent experience of it as well. Yeah, those definitely do. There's a particular favorite one that I have. I won't plug it here, but when we do launch this podcast, I'll stick it in a follow-up tweet so that people do know what I'm talking about, because <laughs> that video has got me through many a night when I've just needed something that will put me in hysterics. Does the job every single time without fail. Wow. Well, we're good to hear that, James. <laughs> well, we've got a lot of fun ahead today, so let's get right into things and warp into this week's Community Q segment. this week's Community Q, we asked you if you were going to be directing a future Trek film and could pick any ship from the franchise to be the hero ship, which one would it be? We got quite a few interesting responses on this, and I'd like to hear your feedback on this, James. Um, mm. The first one is the NX-01 refit. I mean, I am a huge fan of that design. You know, there's always been that controversy over the NX-01. Since it was first seen, you've had everyone saying, <laughs> oh, you know, it's just an Akira, but they turned it upside down. <laughs> I personally, while I can see it, I also don't see it. Like, the Akira and the NX are distinct enough in my mind that there's not a chance that I'd ever get them muddled up, even in silhouette form, because right. the nacelle shape is so different. Yeah. But the NX-01 refit is just that perfect bridge between the Enterprise that we see in the 22nd century and the Enterprise that we see in the 23rd century. And given the huge number of ships we've been introduced to in Discovery and the upcoming Strange New Worlds as well, that kind of era, yeah. that design still fits so neatly in. And because we know Starfleet has a love of using space frames over many decades, you know, it's my slight pet dream that we see an NX-01 refit fly around in the back of Strange New World somewhere. Well, I, I definitely agree. I think that would be really neat. Um, and you, you make a good point with the Strange New Worlds tie-in, because I think that's very possible. Mm. I think it's a little too late to plead to CBS for that, but maybe season two if it's not in season one. I mean, <laughs> the dream is that 
Strange New Worlds picks up the old tradition of doing the Star Trek handover in the first episode. And we have Scott Bakula, old age makeup, on the NX-01, refit, you know, as a send-off to be like, hey, Captain Pike, off you go. Remember those old Zindi? Don't run into them. They're still a bit mad at us. But uh, otherwise, uh, go nuts. Go on your five-year mission and have fun. I really want to see that now. (laughs) Well, I guess we'll just have to stay tuned with Strange New World, see what happens. (laughs) Well, the next ship was the Odyssey-class ship, which you may be familiar with if you've played Star Trek Online or if you've read the IDW tie-in comics for Picard. Um, and I am definitely biased uh, as a longtime Star Trek Online player. I would pay good money to watch that show. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that Adam Isle mentioned in the recent roundtable that we did, our last roundtable, that, you know, he would love to see the Odyssey, even if it's not the focus of the shot. Again, you know, floating around in the yeah. background somewhere in Star Trek Picard. That's all we want. I mean, canonically, and I say this with inverted commas that I know people can't see, but I'm doing the, like, bunny ears with my hands right now. Um, Air quotes. Yeah. We know that the Odyssey is canon within Star Trek Picard because of the IDW tie-in comics that you mentioned, where it is featured under the command of, I want to say, Captain Worf um, as the Enterprise F. I want to say that's correct, but somebody please correct me. I can't confirm that, but... Yeah. (laughs) If I'm wrong, by all means, blast me on Twitter all you want. I will accept the error. Uh, But, you know, it's already (laughs) soft canon, so it'd be great to see that one on screen. And given the shows have pretty much movie effects in this day and age, I think that given that the next Star Trek film is still... We're still looking at 2023 for that. um, And on top of that mm-hmm. it's still predicted to be set following the Kelvin crew. So Picard seems like our best bet for an Odyssey, and I'm really hyped for that because <laughs> we've only had, I mean, multiple designs, but really one main design, which is the Inquiry class. We just need that Odyssey. Yeah, let's get it in there. Here at CBS, <laughs> listen yeah. to our please. Give us the Odyssey. Well, the other two ships um, that we thought were really interesting Mm -hmm. were the USS Relativity, which is the Wells-class ship from the 29th century, and the USS Titan. Mm -hmm. I think both of those would be uh, really interesting ships and crew to follow on a Star Trek show. Yeah. Titan just because of Riker, but... (laughs) What fact for five, six, seven, eight? As long as they close out the film with that. I'll be happy. They can do anything else. They can do the final frontier, plot beat for plot beat, script line for script line, but as long as at the end of it, Riker goes, all right, get us out of here on a beat of five, six, seven, eight. I'll be so, so happy. But I think that one of the really interesting things about the responses for this particular question were the variations in the timelines, because there's nothing that really overlaps too much there. I mean, you can argue the Titan and the Odyssey could overlap, but we've obviously never seen it on screen. Mm -hmm. Um, And by the time that the Odyssey is around, Riker has retired. So did the Titan retire with him? Did it get blown up? We just don't know. Um, And the relativity, I can imagine a lot of fun 
with that ship. And I really hope that some point that Star Trek really dives into time travel angle in a big way and does it right, because we had the Temporal Cold War, which didn't really land too well, to say the least. But, yeah. you know, there have been so many shows since Enterprise which have done time travel and they've done it better. Oh, yeah. And there's just so much potential and possibility there, especially with the grounds that Star Trek has already set up. We know that as early as the 24th century, there are people enforcing the Temporal Prime Directive. Right. We know that the Temporal Cold War happens and that means that there's this constant battle of we're going to go back in time and do this and then someone goes, no, we're going to go back in time and do this to stop you doing that. And that's a really fun little concept. Mm -hmm. So relativity is a really good one. That could really build well on the Cold War that we saw in Enterprise. Because I agree, it, it felt empty. <laughs> but my introduction to the Temporal Cold War came from Star Trek Online oh, first. Really? And then I watched Enterprise ah. and I was like, oh, so that's who Time Guy is. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know, just make a television series of the Star Trek Online tie-in. I'd watch it. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, Star Trek Online has so much story at this point, and they also have a good set of voice actors and voice lines as well. And that's not just the mm -hmm. people that they've brought in from the wider show and the wider canon, it's all of their own voice actors and everything as well. So I would love a fan project one day that grabbed all of those audio assets from Star Trek Online and put them into a Lower Deck style animation and did like a fun little thing. It might be complicated because obviously you've got the player character that everyone is talking to, but I think that you yeah. could work around that. That would be really interesting to see. For the next Community Q, we want to know, if you're in charge of the next finale of Lower Decks, what ship from the many worlds and canons of Star Trek would you like to swing in to save the day? I think that is an awesome question because you know, going back to the Titan, it was awesome to see the Titan show up. Mm -hmm. So now I'm just, my, my brain is full of all these ideas. <laughs> and it doesn't even have to be Starfleet. So I'm, I'm guessing for you, it would be a Valdor-class warbird swinging We're going to have Dinatra. <laughs> yes. We're going to have Dinatra just show up. It doesn't even need to make sense. Maybe there's time travel involved. <laughs> I mean, just have Dinatra. the more you think about Star Trek, the less it makes sense as a whole. So whatever you want to do, you can make it work. Um, but Yep, let's just do whatever we want. That's yeah. the plan. And if you have an idea for your answer to this question, if this has rung a bell and you're thinking, I know the answer to this one, please do send us your answers. You can do it via email, hello at shiptalkingpod.com. There's a submission form on our website, or you can send it through via Twitter. And I do love reading the responses on Twitter, I must say. You know, you really get the discussion rolling sometimes. <laughs> so looking forward to hearing your thoughts on that one. Especially when they involve Oberths. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oberths, <laughs> Romulans, what if... So, you know you know, Marvel's doing that what-if show where they're basically going, hey, you know, what if T'Challa was Star-Lord and stuff like that? I would love a Star Trek version of that. And the first episode should be, what if during the TOS era, otherwise known as those old scientists, um, what if instead of the Romulans and the Klingons sharing the design of the D7 class, Starfleet and the Romulans shared the design of the Oberth. 
<laughs> I don't know why, but I need that. An Oberth with a little bird decal on the bottom. It doesn't even make sense. It'd be great, though. It'd be great. I will watch that. I will watch that. Well, James, I think Matt is ready to chat, so shall we go meet him? Nice alliteration there. I think it is time we met Matt for a chat. I didn't even realize I did that. Awesome. When I left Rockstar in uh, 2010, I had a friend reach out to me who I had worked with at Rockstar who started a job at Digital Extremes. And he says, hey, you should uh, come join us here because, you know, we're making a Star Trek game. It's going to be cool. And I go, okay, I'm in. You know, I had, a, uh, I had opportunities to go to other places, but I thought working on a Star Trek game, how, you know, when would I get that chance again? So sure. So I go to Digital Extremes, did my interview and it went well. And I got an offer and I was told I would get to work on Star Trek. And I show up for my first day and they go, uh, actually, we need you on this other project that is higher priority. So I worked on The Darkness 2 for uh, my first year at DE. And mm -hmm. that was a good experience, but it wasn't Star Trek. And every once in a while, I'd go to the other side of the offices and peek over and be like, okay, what's going on over there? I want to see what they're working on, right? <laughs> but it was all, oh, we're working with Paramount and we're working with Bad Robot. So it's all hush hush. And oh, you know, the, the other people in the company, they can't see some of the stuff because it's all under special NDA. So I was like, oh, Oh, they're so lucky. I wish I got to work on Star Trek. Then, you know, a while later, Darkness 2 was done and it shipped. And they go, okay, so a lot of you are going to go work on Star Trek now. Yes, here's my chance. And uh, my excitement was very quickly shipped away. Uh, it eroded <laughs> fast. And I, it, it was really heartbreaking. Um, when I was at Rockstar, I was offered a job to work on Mass Effect 2. And I turned it down and I said to my brother, who was also a big Mass Effect fan, I could not in good conscience work on Mass Effect because I didn't want to spoil it for myself. Working on a game is like working in the kitchen. It's messy. You see all the mm. all the dirty stuff that goes on, right? Right. And it kind of leaves the, like, yeah, I, will, I worked at that restaurant. I will never eat there, right? <laughs> I didn't want that to happen to Mass Effect. Yeah. But for some reason, I let it happen to Star Trek. Oh, no. <laughs> You saw how the sausage was made. I'm so sorry. I did. You know, I knew I was in for trouble when I started on the team for Star Trek and the lead artist said, here is the art Bible I put together for Star Trek. And I'm looking through and I see pictures of Transformers, the movie. And I see pictures Ooh. of the Millennium Falcon and close-ups of like the Death Star and other Star Wars stuff. Uh, yeah. I'm going, okay. I'm flipping through the pages. I don't see TNG. I don't see Toss. I don't even see the Star Trek 2009 movie. Oh. And I go, okay, why is there no Star Trek reference in the art Bible for Star Trek? And he says, I hate Star Trek. <gasps> Star Trek looks like <laughs> shit. Uh, it's not detailed enough. And he says, it's too flat. It's too boring. It needs more techie bits. It needs to be more detailed. Even even Star Trek 2009. What Star Trek is he watching? If you thought Star Trek 2009 looked bad, if you didn't like that movie, and you thought, wow, that doesn't look like Star Trek. Well, it could have been worse. Oh, my God. <laughs> so the fan base has been blaming Kurtzman and Abrams all this time, but no, it was that one art designer. And you know what? JJ blames Into Darkness being poorly received on that game. Really? Uh, yeah, he 
he made some comment uh, in an interview about how the poor reception of the game, because I think the game released shortly before the movie came out. Mm, yeah, mm. if I recall, it um, did. And he said something about how the poor reception of the game um, may have negatively impacted the box office performance of the movie. Yeah, nothing nothing to do with the movie <laughs> just deciding it wanted to do Wrath of Khan about 75% of the way all through. <laughs> Complete abdication of oh responsibility there. Yeah. The 2013 Star Trek game, you know, even when I heard about that, I was a big lover of Voyager Elite Force. I'm a big lover of Elite Force 2 as well, which was much less widely distributed or had less copies made, didn't sell as well. True, but any Trekkie who's also a gamer loves yeah. both of those games. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Especially the Voyager one, like there's been so much love and effort in the mod community. There was kind of that golden era of Activision games in the early nowties where you had Armada 2, Bridge Commander, Starfleet Command 3, Elite Force all coming out in, I think it was like a five-year period. Yeah, it was only like a five-year span. One of my best friends to this day still stands by Armada 2 as being like the greatest game of all time, and he plays it on a regular basis still to this day. <laughs> I will join him. Let's get a game going. I'm, I'm down for that. I still have my disc. It's in the uh, 90s Enterprise D shuttlecraft disc holder with all my other Nauties games. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> you know, I, I feel kind of bad because the only Star Trek game I've played, well, actually that was about to be a lie. I've played two Star Trek games. One is Star Trek Online, which I play religiously, and the other is I played Bridge Crew twice. But I need to play all these other games because I feel like I'm really missing out. <laughs> There's a few mods you could get for Armada 2, depending on how nostalgic of a gamer you are. If you can stomach old games, it's good, okay. but there are a few mods for it that modernize it a bit and make it uh, more more palatable for the you know 2021 era yeah and you have uh, mods for other games as well like sins of a solar empire has the armada 3 mod oh yes. and i have that game I, someone got it for me i still need to play it uh, there's also that mod for um stellaris yeah stellaris the new horizons mod for stellaris mm. is incredible oh. i remember the first time i played it I, I was sitting in bed on my laptop i had just installed it there i was sitting beside my wife and um i started playing like the first, I was like 20 minutes into my first game of New Horizons, and I turned to my wife and I go, I think this might be the greatest game of all time. <laughs> <laughs> See, my experience with Solaris was very different. I'd never played the base game before, and I'm one of these gamers that I hate going through tutorials. I'm actually the same way. I, I jumped right into New Horizon. <laughs> yeah. And I jumped into it, and about 10, 15 minutes in, I got attacked by the Zindi Probe, and that was the end, end of my run in that time. So I haven't quite plucked up the courage to go back yet but i definitely want to oh yeah i think if you just keep in mind the show's timeline while you're playing you'll be prepared for some of these events as long <laughs> as you just everyone thought you look at the clock in the corner and go hey i know this is coming up i gotta be ready <laughs> it really is a game for like really hardcore trek fans in that way oh. like you have a huge leg up if you know the timeline from you know a to b to c to to E to J. Well, now I know the next game I need to get. <laughs> it's worth getting, yeah. If you like, uh, if you like, you know, civilization type games, I guess. Mm. Um, it, yeah, it is fantastic. It has everything you could want in a Trek game. W uh, what I found interesting was when you go to start, it's like, what Civ do you want to play as? And you got your yeah. Federation, and you got Romulans and Klingons, etc. But then it goes down all the way to like 
Tamarians and like oh and like you could play as anybody from like one like some one-off species from uh, any episode and it's, it's nuts that is really cool and do they have like ship models in the game have they been modded in how does that work yeah they, they, I think the more primary saves got more attention to detail but uh, yeah they they've been going through because I follow their subreddit and they they very diligently work on this mod I uh, gotta give them a lot of credit oh that's amazing that reminds me of Skyrim, but I won't talk about that here. <laughs> <laughs> wrong, wrong stream here. <laughs> now, if there was a Star Trek mod for Skyrim, <laughs> I would I'm download that. Hundred percent sure there's at least one Star Trek mod. It might be something basic like original series tunics or something like that, but there's gonna be at least one. I'm gonna go Google that after this. But you know what? They're working on Starfield, and they said it will have all the same sort of mod support. Ooh, so you yes. give it a little bit of time and. Starfield will turn into Star Trek. Wow. Yeah. And today we were just discussing ahead of this podcast a game called Starbase is entering early access, which is using like the whole voxel approach to design, which means that fully destructible environments and looks pretty slick. So I imagine there will be some sort of Star Trek spin off as that because pretty much anything that's based in space tends to have something Star Trek come along eventually. Oh, yeah. You got to piggyback off that uh, framework, right? If someone gives you a space game, you go, okay. How can I turn this into Star Trek? <laughs> you know, you know, you know uh, we we can all agree on this. You look at something space related, literally anything space related, and you go, you know what that reminds me of? Star Trek. Yep. There's this one episode of Star Trek where dot dot dot. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, oh my god, I drive everyone in my life crazy with that. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I'm the one with the starship T-shirt. I know. Uh, the moment, the moment, because uh, you said you said you don't post the videos, so people can't see this, but the moment you came on camera and I saw that shirt, I was like, that is the coolest damn shirt I've ever seen. <laughs> it's my favorite shirt, to be sure. <laughs> I really want that shirt so much. I'm, I'm just wearing a Far Cry 6 hoodie. Ah. Yeah. That what's something you're working on? Yeah, Far Cry 6 was the, the last title I worked on at Ubisoft. Right now, I'm just, okay. right now I'm just treading water, waiting until I know what I'm working on next. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe they'll listen to this podcast and they'll be like, you know what, it's time to give Star Trek another shot. Matt, head it up. What do you want your dream Star Trek game to be? Oh, I would leap at that opportunity so bad. So I, <laughs> I, I've thought about this so many times, right? Because there's so many things that you could do with Star Trek. What I always like to say, and this is the same way I approach Star Trek as a show, you know, Star Trek is a universe. It's not a formula. So you can do anything in that universe, right? As long as you respect the universe that you're playing in. Yeah. So when it comes to the show, that's why you know, discovery can be valid. It's why Picard can be valid. It's why Lower Decks can be valid. It's a, it's a playground where you can do different stuff. And with games, like I thought as an indie developer, because I do work at AAA, but I also do indie stuff on the side for fun. And as an indie developer, I put a lot of thought into like, well, something that would be achievable would be like a co-op PVE type shooter uh, set in the Dominion War. But like where you have a team of four or eight players who are essentially, you know, uh, like think Starfleet, uh, Star Trek Elite Force, um, but you can leverage. Um, I'm not going to get into technical stuff because I don't want to bore <laughs> Even though I'm sure the techno babble would appeal to a certain segment of the audience, but I won't get into oh, it. Yeah. But like you could leverage <laughs> a lot of, um, you know, procedural systems to generate interesting missions. And I know 
some people will go, oh, like randomly generated missions. And I don't necessarily mean what you're thinking, but you can tell interesting stories while changing up the environment that you're playing in. So it's always fresh and interesting. Mm-hmm. You can have players infiltrating a star base to sabotage like Gemadar starship production or like a Ketrasol white facility or like, you know, there's a dilithium mine that they've occupied and you got to beam down to the planet and like, you know, get in there and, and rescue everybody or something like that. You know what I mean? You can do lots of cool stuff stuff in a game like that but at the same time if i were given control of a triple a production team with like you know here's 700 people and here's a budget of 100 million dollars make a star trek game i would make what everyone wants which is mass effect but star trek that's what i would do take all my money yeah right like that is what i think every star trek fan deep down wants is a beautiful well-crafted star trek story but something that they can create you know, their Starfleet crew, their captain, and it, I guess sort of the promise that Star Trek Online initially uh, gave people, but you know, it's an MMO, mm-hmm. so it's restricted in certain ways and only a good single player RPG could deliver the type of experience that I think people really truly want from a good Star Trek game. You could make a Star Trek Starship racing game. <laughs> I'm game for that game, just to say, 100%. <laughs> Take Star Wars pod racing, slap a Star Trek skin on it, I am in. Yeah, like you could do any of these things. You could make Star Star Trek Starfleet Surgeon Simulator, you could make a, a Star Trek uh, Starfleet Commando, you could make any of these kinds of games, but what I think Star Trek fans really want is just like, I want to play, you know, uh, Ben Sisko or Janeway, like not them literally, but you know, I want to be like that character and in experience this amazing Star Trek story and like play through that experience and I guess a good action RPG. Give players all the tools that they would like in a Star Trek game. Like give them a tricorder that is a customizable tool that you can like uh, insert, like where you can have modules on the tricorder where you could insert different abilities and you could equip your uh, away team or your crew with different tools and, and different types of tricorders that are loaded out differently to give them different abilities. And they could mm. use the tricorder to interact with the environment set traps, scan for uh, friendlies and hostiles, things you can take advantage of. Like, there's so many things you can do. You watch three episodes of Star Trek and you listen to all the techno babble and you go, there's a game mechanic, there's a game mechanic, and there's another game mechanic. <laughs> boom, 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 right? Like they basically write themselves for you. You just have to gamify it. And giving that experience in a like nice, well-crafted story, but like, you know, that expands different planets and like large environments that players can, you know, explore, let them customize their starship, you know, players love that vanity stuff, right? (laughs) That would be the perfect Star Trek game. Yeah, and you know, it's infinitely appealing to the AAA CEOs that I hope are listening to this. You know, you've also got monetization (laughs) options, you know. Do you want to put a toss skin on your 24th century Intrepid class? You can do that. Pay $5.99. Done. Absolutely. Like, uh, SDO <laughs> proved that that's a model that works, right? And, and, and whether you're, you know, you're just like, ah, I like this one thing I'll buy, or you're a whale who's like, I'm going to spend $400 on all this crazy stuff. People don't go as nuts for it in a single player game. But, right. you know, when we're talking about Star Trek here, like when you're talking about a niche IP where there are very hardcore fans who take it very seriously, there are plenty of whales in that group from a financial oh, standpoint, yeah. right? So yeah. <laughs> just milk them for all you got. I see that in STO <laughs> all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of the big things that I've, you know, I remember back when Enterprise was cancelled, they were you know there was a crowd running a, a 
crowdfunding, crowdfunding <laughs> campaign that raised something like one or two million dollars, which was gonna like make a few more episodes or something. And obviously Paramount didn't take the money, but it proves that that is there. And you know, one yes. of the regular things that I say whenever we're drip teased something about HD remastering is just crowdfund. HD remasters of DS9 and Voyager. <laughs> At the very least, you're going to get all of the popular episodes in HD. At the very best, you're going to get the entire series in HD and then just offer like the physical media as like backer perks or something like that. Yeah. I would be all over that in minutes. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think there's such a market for, I, like they were like, oh yeah, we can't remaster Deep Space Nine because, you know, well, we didn't use the right cameras. Like, oh, you can totally do it, especially with the technology that we have, you know, feed that video into neural net, up-res it, have your artists do some new VFX and, uh, you know, they always claim, like Doug Drexler and those guys always say that they got the source files kicking around for all that old stuff. Plus, uh, <laughs> as a 3D artist, I could tell you, not only is it not hard to make new art, but also any artist who likes Star Trek would leap at the opportunity to make some high quality art for a Star Trek project, whether it was a game or, you know, up res TV art. Yeah, I mean, the recent Deep Space Nine and Voyager documentaries are a prime example. The number of the amount of money they got from the perk, which was literally just have your name in the credits was amazing. And, you know, it's the same thing with artists and everything like that. You say to those artists, oh yeah, you know, we really want this to be done, but we haven't got a huge budget. This is what we do have. And we'll also put your name in the credits. Like that person is going to sit there. They can have the DS9 theme blaring. They're going to see their name and they're going to be like, yes, for the rest of their lives. <laughs> it is, uh, you know, even as bad as working on the Star Trek 2013 game was, uh, I, I, sometimes I think about it and I go, at least somehow I am involved in Star Trek. Like some, yeah. some my name is on the credits for something Star Trek related. So, you know, yay, I did it. Checkbox, like bucket list. Yeah. Checkbox, check like it was a check mark with an asterisk beside it, I guess. But. <laughs> <laughs> but you still have your name attached to Star Trek in some way, shape or form, which is super cool, especially given that you are a Trekkie. Um, I, I know what you said about that lead artist, like they had their name attached to Star Trek and they hated Star Trek. Yeah, so. they probably kind of resent it. Like, you know, they resent being in that position. Like, I don't want to work on this. You know, deep down, he wants to work on Star Wars or something, right? Right. And there's and there's other people there going like, I would kill for the opportunity to like, you know, be lead artist for this project. So, like, I could make this look like Star Trek. <laughs> but, you know, the, the powers that be are like, no, we want to compete with, for some reason, Uncharted. And, you know, those kinds of games. And it's like, that's not the right audience. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> no. You're not going to get the Uncharted audience on a game called Star Trek. No, no, no. absolutely not. That's right? not how that works. Not even like a <laughs> subtitle saying Star Trek, like exploring the temples of the prophets or something like that. <laughs> Star Trek, the Ben Sisko experience. <laughs> It's it's a collectible. <laughs> Limited edition. <laughs> Coming out to, to a VR store near you. Oh god, a VR a VR DS9 game. Now that is a dream and a half. Oh yeah. yeah. That would be so cool. 
I honestly feel like, you know, DS9 got a really, you know, we won't get into DS9 got a lot of shit at the time, right? Like, oh, so Star Trek, Space Station, whatever. But they orchestrated, like, in the, you know, seasons, you know, three to six, like, such a great storyline. And they proved that that stationary location, an awesome place to tell Star Trek stories. Mm. And from, like, a game perspective as well, it works really well, because pretty much every game out there has, like, a home base. Yeah, it's just normal now that you got, like, a hub, like, a hub world or whatever, right? Like, Destiny. Yeah. Division and all these games, they do that sort of thing. And like Space Station is the perfect place to do that. Like STO does that yeah. with um, Earth Stardock and uh, what's the other one? Deep Space, Space Nine. Nine. Oh, yeah, <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, yeah, and there's K7 as well. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah like, Deep Space K7, yeah. Oh, I haven't actually been to K7 yet in the game. You need to go to K7. Oh. I, I, I once, one of my most memorable STO moments was uh, uh, being involved in a, a, a role play recreation of Trouble and Tribbles on. Mm-hmm. on Deep Space K7. That was so much fun. I was I was so involved in what was going on. It was fantastic. It was like a four-hour event, and it was great. Wow. That sounds so amazing. Hashtag only an STO. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I want to adopt that hashtag now. <laughs> they could definitely do some sort of promo campaign by getting fans to submit moments and having them as just an STO moments. Like um, like the only in Battlefield. Um, yeah. Yeah. STO really is a great game. I feel like it doesn't uh, it doesn't get a lot of recognition for uh, like how much fun it actually is. Like I think even just someone who enjoys Star Trek a little bit can actually get uh, quite a bit of enjoyment out of STO. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, because... I, I I've been playing STO for like seven years, and I I got into it. I hadn't even been all the way through all the Star Trek shows yet. I just knew I liked TOS and Next Gen, so I I started playing. But there are a ton of people who I've met who either don't really like Star Trek but like STO for some reason. <laughs> Everyone has <laughs> well, their reasons. I, I, gotta I guess say, like it's got a nice aesthetic. <laughs> it's got a nice yeah. uh, uh, just. Like, the the colors and the sound and the music feel very nice. Like, it is a nice, yeah. inviting game that, like, looks pretty sleek. Like, it's I'm not saying it's a great-looking game, but it looks <laughs> sleek. It's, like I said, it's got nice sound effects, and that orchestral score is, like, you know big and inviting and i think like even like you said for people who don't love star trek or don't really care about star trek they can look at that and be like yeah i, I want to run around that world like i want to i want to check yeah. this out i feel like it, it can be a very good gateway even though yes. for me i found that it it got a little depressing because i fell in love with the 25th century aesthetic like people who are listening to this can't see my zoom background i love I your background the, by the, 25th, the 25th century ships i love them and I go and watch like Voyager, and it's like that's really cool, but it's not the same. <laughs> you know what? I agree with you. I actually really, really like the 25th century aesthetic. It, it yeah. Their art direction for STO. I mean, every project, you know, especially an MMO, starts out a little bit like all over the place, but they really like pulled it together. I, the way that they play with color the red and the blue and the, the yellowish orange, like the amber color um, that they use on all their ships and all their tech mm-hmm. um, is great. And I love the white and black they use on a lot of the ships. Yes. It actually yes. looks really, really nice. Um, and it is the sort of art direction that every time, every time there's a hate about like, uh, especially in Picard, you know, when the um, Ingenuity class showed up for the first time and, uh, oh, yeah. the, you know, you hear the rumor before that episode airs, like, you know, I heard that there's going to be Starfleet ships in the in the last episode. And you're like, oh, man, oh, man, Starfleet ships. <laughs> like, oh, is it going to be the Enterprise F? Like, oh, Odyssey class, like, what are they going to do? And then it shows up yeah. and you go, 
it's cool, I guess. Yeah, it's cool. But yeah. You're, like, just, you're a little disappointed. You're like, it's not what I was hoping for. Yeah. Well, there's, there's so much embedded in the fan consciousness from what I'll refer to as the drought period, at least as far as the 24th <laughs> century goes. You know, we had pretty much from being generous here and including the last episode of Enterprise, 2004 <laughs> through till 2020 when Picard and Lower Decks came out. Um, um, and that's when we really came back to that time period. And during that time, you know, we had things like the uh, Beta Canon no novels coming out, and they created like their own universe and their own aesthetic in people's heads. You had STO coming out. So nothing's gonna satisfy fans unless it is what those things are. Maybe it's just a reluctance, and maybe there's just, you know, some VFX artists or art directors or difficult lead artists who are like, <laughs> we're gonna make our own stuff. We're gonna, we're gonna do our own thing. Because as an artist and as a creative person, I think as any creative person out there feels like you want to do your own stuff. You got creative uh, energy and you want to design your own thing and do your own thing and not be reliant on other people's stuff necessarily. And um, sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not. And we are dealing with a loaded canon of a fan base, uh, like the Star Trek fan base. Um, you got to like, oh, really because like, you're like, oh, we're going to design a new ship. It's like, careful, buddy. You're playing with fire. <laughs> yeah. If your ship doesn't look quite exactly like anything that we've seen before, it's like you've come to the wrong neighborhood, buddy. There, there needs to be like some like executive fan committee, like like, uh, like we are the elected representatives of the Star Trek fandom, and uh, you have to run ship designs by or, like we have to vet ship designs before they can be publicly released or published. Paramount CBS, if you're listening, we volunteer. We volunteer. Yes, yes. People dutifully take on this task for a mere six figures salary <laughs> i'll take six figures i'll quit my job i'll quit grad grad school yeah come on cbs this is this is a responsibility <laughs> that we do not take lightly yeah absolutely this is this is legit we we need it <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, I'm receiving an incoming communique on my pad here that we've got to wrap this up. And I know, Matt, you have some trucking to get back to, but it was so great you were able to stop by. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. It was. Thank you so much. It was. All right. Well, James, let's you and I warp over to this week's All Hands on Deck segment. For this week's drill, we booked each of you into the holodeck for an hour to load up a non-Federation ship of your choice to walk around and explore. We wanted to know which alien race and which of their ships you chose to spend your time on, and what we heard was awesome. Shockingly, the top answer was the Ferengi Marauder, also known as the Decora class. We saw this in Deep Space Nine. Um, it's it's in there in Star Trek Online. <laughs> I don't personally share this opinion, but good for you. I think I think just the capitalist chaos of the interior of a feder federation Ferengi Marauder or the Decora class is what makes that appealing. Like, it's just kind of uh, <laughs> Ferengi are ultra-capitalists in space uh, yes. which sounds like a 1930s sci-fi serial but the point is that how on earth have they with, you know, this capitalist system managed to make it so that they have technology on a par with Space Utopia Federation? Yeah. 
it's just unknown. And so it'd be very interesting to see how they <laughs> utilize that space. Would it be a case of they had like minimum wage workers cleaning up? You know, that wouldn't surprise me. You know, I imagine that there's a hefty gambling area. <laughs> for sure, and you could have, like, a stock market, and you just know that Ferengi have their own cryptocurrency. Ferenga coin. Oh, they do. And you know they're really obnoxious about it, too. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I don't know who I was talking to recently, but um, I think we said something like, if they have holodecks on their ships, you know you have to pay to use the holodeck. <laughs> That's 100%. It, it's like quarks. It is literally quarks, but on a ship. You know, the Enterprise, <laughs> Voyager... They're just like, cool, we're going to go to the holodeck. We have, like, holodeck rations if you're Voyager, but otherwise, you know, if you're on the Enterprise-D, you can literally, you seem to be able to walk into a holodeck whenever you want to, especially if your name is Reginald Barclay. Yes. But for DS9, they're always talking about how they need to rent them, and all the programs cost money as well, so I imagine, given that Quark is somewhat handcuffed by Cisco on the station <laughs> and running the station, <laughs> and giving him free rent. The holodecks or holosuites within Ferengi society are a much loved and very expensive leisure activity. I can see it. I, I'm willing to accept this as canon. <laughs> so the next very common response that we got was the Dideridex-class warbird from the Romulan Star Empire. And I do share this opinion because I I totally would want to hang out on that ship. It's all dark, and you're surrounded by Romulans, and I don't know, maybe there's some Romulan ale hidden somewhere? I mean, almost definitely. With how Romulan ale is viewed as contraband, uh, especially in the Federation, <laughs> like, I imagine that perception came somewhat from the Romulan Empire somehow, because it seems very weird that the Federation would just be like, oh yeah, this ale, this one type of ale, that one's banned. So it seems like it started in the Romulan Empire somehow. So I imagine that knowing the Romulan love for hiding things and being sneaky that there are just like random parts of the ship that if you accidentally lean on it just a bottle of Romulan ale pops out and you're just like what? Oh my god that's like a Lower Decks episode <laughs> right there. Hear us Mike McCann we, we have these ideas. Come on season three let's go. But funnily enough the real reason that I would want to go on a Romulan warbird isn't to do with Lower Decks. It's to do with Discovery, hmm. because since the Dilithium storyline, pretty much the moment that that was revealed, everyone was like, but the Romulans have artificial quantum singularity, so they're not going to be affected. Oh. But you don't know whether Dilithium is used in the process of creating or otherwise regulating those artificial singularities. So I would want to have a poke around their mm. engineering section to settle that question once and for all. Yes, I, I agree. That's not something I considered, shockingly. Now I want to Google that. <laughs> Another really popular response that we got, of course, was the Borg Cube. Because what better way to explore an extremely dangerous environment than on the holodeck? Where, which is always guaranteed to be safe, 100%, no issues whatsoever, yeah. don't ask questions. Nothing's ever gone wrong on the holodeck. No, <laughs> nothing, nothing. I thought the Borg Cube especially was a very interesting slash possibly bizarre answer. Yeah. Like of all the interiors that 
we've seen. I think the Borg cube is probably not perhaps in terms of the scale of the cube, but in terms of what it looks like and how it's been defined, I think it's one of the things we've seen on screen the most. Mm -hmm. We know that they have these huge expanses where you can see alcoves after alcoves. We know they also have these cramped corridors. We've seen inside the central plexus all of these various areas of the Borg cube, which we can kind of use to put together a rough visual impression of what a ball cube looks like. Yeah. And what a ball cube looks like to me is really, really creepy. So if I'm going to get a chance to go on a holodeck and look around an alien ship, it's not going to be the really <laughs> creepy one. It's going to be the cool one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to the Dideradex. You can, you guys can have your board cube. Yeah. And remember, <laughs> if the holodeck safety protocols fail, you did this to yourselves. We'll be chilling with the Romulans. Yeah. Having ale, which just falls from the ceiling at random, I assume. Yeah, that's canon. <laughs> Look, if, canon. Angry, if angry fans can say that nothing is canon, I can say that everything is canon, so... I think that is the best approach to angry fans as well. You just tell them that they're not canon and you move on with your life. Yes. No more back and forth debates. If they're like, oh, you know what? Discovery season 12 isn't canon. You can just be like, you know what? You're not canon. Checkmate. So uh, I'm going to go off and enjoy the fun show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hop onto the mushroom drive, everybody. We're going Yay! through fungus. Yeah. That should have been Burnham's <laughs> catch line at the end of season three. Should have been like, let's go through the fungus. <laughs> <laughs> Although we're crossing over into the Super Mario Brothers film now, so perhaps not. Yeah. But on that note, before we get much further off topic, because we have dawdled around quite a bit in this episode, if you want to participate in our weekly All Hands on Deck segment, they get posted on Twitter towards the end of each week. We love all of your answers. As you've heard just now, we get a hell of a lot of discussion out of them. And that's just between ourselves. When we open them up and talk with you all on Twitter, it gets very, very intense sometimes, but a lot of fun nonetheless. We love to hear your thoughts. We love to hear your ideas. So we look forward to hearing from you in the future. Well, we're coming to the end of the episode here today. How was that roundtable, James? It was really good. I feel like we didn't spend as much time on ships as we probably usually would have, but we got a lot of interesting insight, not only into game development, but also into what people see as the ideal Trek game. And, you know, speaking of Mass Effect, uh, because obviously we spoke about that with Matt, it is the perfect kind of launch pad for a really beloved Trek title. So let's hope that one of these AAA studios is listening to us right now and they follow up on this idea. Maybe for a tie-in with the fourth Kelvin timeline film. Maybe they can learn from the previous mistakes. No more dinosaur gone and uh, we can have fun. Sounds good. Well, don't forget our hailing frequencies are always open. Head to shiptalkingpod.com to transmit a message via the submission form. And while you're there, check out our merch. And don't forget as well that we are on Patreon, where all the income for this podcast comes every last bit of it gets reinvested back into the pod whether that is cool things for you which we have a few things planned so stay tuned for the rest of the year uh, or whether that is just equipment costs hosting costs all of this stuff none of it is taken by us purely for you know jolly money it's all reinvested back into the pod so we do really appreciate 
all of that support. Zero Patreon funds go to Romulan Ale. I solemnly <laughs> swear. <laughs> you can email us as well at hello at shiptalkingpod.com. We reply to all the emails that we receive. You can also shoot us a message on Twitter. We're at shiptalkingpod. And of course, the best way to support us is to tell your tricky and or Trekker friends about the show and leave us a review on any of the pod platforms when you listen to the show. Any reviews are really, really loved and appreciated. And a huge thank you to James for all your amazing work as our community manager. And of course, a big shout out and thanks to our audio engineer, George, for all the magic that he does to help all our episodes sound as good as they do. Thank you. Thanks, listeners, community, and once again, all of our supporters on Patreon. It's been wonderful. You all are awesome. Thank you. Live long and prosper. And take us through the fungal zone. No, that does not sound good at all. No, I I don't like that. While Q was a human, he learned a couple traditional magic tricks to feel like he still had some semblance of his once miraculous abilities. Um, After perfecting his first trick, he came knocking on the captain's door in the dead of night, and when it opened, Q confidently stated, Peek a card, any card. Like Picard. He was then fired out of the airlock.